to really practical things, actually. Um, you know, he, are, he does deal with issues and matters of our heart, but he is also really concerned about the everyday stuff of life. Um, I think because unless our faith impacts our everyday, then it's really just a club, isn't it? You know, it, it, it's just something we do on the side, whereas actually the, our, the faith that we have in Jesus Im- impacts every part of who we are. Um, and, you know, we, we know that that's a bit of a journey of, as we progress through life, isn't it? The more that we walk with Jesus, the more we become aware of the things that Jesus wants to change, the more that we become aware, aware of the things that are, are, are potential barriers to us understanding and exploring and, and growing in Jesus. And, and so he's incredibly kind. But he, and he also deals with some big issues. Uh, and so one of, the, one of the things we're going to tackle today uh, and explore together is the, uh, the, the teaching that Jesus gave to the disciples on worry. Any, any worriers in the house? Yeah, expert worriers. Okay. Expert worriers. I think we've got a few expert worriers. Okay. Um, worry is... Worry is maybe a, a, it's a natural response, isn't it, to the circumstances of life? Anybody catastrophize some like uh, issues? Yes. So, like, what starts out with a with something really small? It's like this is going to go into something that is massively huge and is going to like the the world is going to end, right? And so, what worry worry is? It, it's linked to something that we think that might happen. So we we project. Now, sometimes. Um, I hope, well, we'll get to this, but sometimes worry is, an, it is it's normal, natural human response. Because if you don't have any concerns, I, I, I think I would say, well, what world are you living in? What's, what what is actually is going on in your life that you can live in such a way that you have absolutely no concerns? I would suggest that maybe that person is a little bit horizontal and can't commit to anything and has no concerns because, well, why would they? Because they've got no responsibility. But when you carry responsibility and you you, you actually take life seriously and take faith seriously, then we're going to encounter things that are going to cause us to, to have some concerns about life. So what is Jesus getting at when he talks, when he says these, says these words, don't worry. I think there's some helpful things for us to understand and to grapple with because worries are, an ordinary part of, of who we are. In fact, um, I, th- I think it would be true to say that in our modern day world, worry and anxiety has skyrocketed. Certainly the research into that. Now, whether there was the same level of research you know, in, in ages past, I don't, I don't know. But actually the, the level of anxiety that people are experiencing seems to have increased. Now, some of those of you in, in various fields would maybe have more stats to be able to speak into that, but anxiety is a very real issue, and it's that future-based fear of what could happen that causes problems for us internally. You see, I think Jesus, um, Jesus is actually con- primarily concerned about what happens in here in the core and the center of who we are because it's out of that place that we live and it's out of that place that we begin to view the rest of life and see life and and be able to navigate life with all its complexities and all its challenges because life is indeed challenging isn't it 
So Jesus uh, comes, has a series of questions uh, that he poses that he's trying to lead us to, a, 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 and certainly to his hearers in the day, and to us, I think, a logical conclusion about how we should, how we respond to life circumstances. Um, let's read the passage. So uh, would you turn with me to Matthew 6, uh, verse 25 to 34. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Uh, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. Don't they, uh, they don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. Uh, they don't labor or spin thread, yet I can tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of the, these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You have little faith. So don't worry, say, so don't worry saying, what will, we have, uh, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. It does. So we'll get to that in a moment, you know, in a little while. Uh, and what, what's Jesus trying to drive at? And I think Jesus lives in the reality of life. He understands people's situations. Uh, he, uh, when he was talking to the, those that were before him, he wasn't talking to a rich crowd who were maybe worried uh, about the, the interest rates. Or the, He was talking to people who were going, actually, how am I going to put food on my table for my family this day? That was, the, that was the concerns. It was day, largely day workers who, if they didn't work, they didn't eat. They were concerned about meeting just the basic needs of life, not the extravagancies of life. It was just the basic needs. That's who Jesus is primarily addressing in this moment. But let me tell you, I, whether we have loads or little, worry, worry, worry doesn't, doesn't mind which category you fall into because if you've got loads you'll worry about losing it if you've got nothing you'll worry about what you do have you're losing and not having enough worry worry is common to us all we'll all find something to worry about if we can now Jesus I don't think he's being harsh I think Jesus is, is trying to help his, his followers get priorities in order. I think he's trying to say, this is how you can navigate life well with a glimpse of that which is to come. So Jesus, uh, in verse 25, 25 says this, do, do not be anxious. It's quite strong. He said, just, guys, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Uh, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. But there's a little word that's used in the beginning of this sentence. It says, therefore. So the therefore is there for a reason. You've heard that one before. Right? It's there because of what has gone before. So what were we discussing last week? Treasures. 
Yeah, so we're talking about treasures and prioritizing. You know, so Jesus landed in verse 24. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. He says, therefore, don't worry about what you will, don't worry about your life. Why? Because he's already addressed the priority of the inner in a focus, he's addressed the priority of our heart and our mind and our eyes and saying, say, don't, don't, don't worry. But this is a phrase that is, uh, is used over uh, around 350 times in scripture. Uh, I think so, some, some bloggers and some research say there's actually 365 times that this, this comes up. Uh, I think you can push it a little bit to try and go, well, that's one, one for every day of the week, you know, every day of the year even. Um, the, the important thing is that repeated phrases throughout Scripture are important for us to, under, to grab a hold of and understand. Why is it that he says don't worry? Why is it God says don't worry so repeatedly throughout Scripture? One, because he knows we're prone to worry, but he's also wanting us to lift our eyes to the one who, is, who holds all things together who actually is the creator and the sustainer of all things, who provides for his creation and his created. He is, he, he is the one who, who has put everything into place. And so therefore, do not worry, do not be anxious, is rooted in God's character of his, uh, uh, of his goodness. He's good. And so when we worry, I think worry begins to reveal often something deeper about what's going on within us. See, the questions that we have to ask when we start to worry, is this a natural response to what is going on in the circumstances of my life? It may well be yes, because there's some things that, are, that go on that, are, that rightly cause anxiety and worry and concern for the other people and the outcomes. But Jesus is beginning to address the, the, the fears of not having, because that's what he's already spoken about in the preceding verses. He's saying, don't store up treasures on earth, but store up treasures in heaven. Look to the eternal. Look to that which is to come, understanding that we live in the here and the now. And so Jesus is helping us to try and lift our gaze, not to simply think about the temple and what is here and now, but that which is to come. So in verse 20, uh, 26 and 27, he says this, Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? So he, he begins to ask these questions of where is, how do we understand our value to God and uses nature and the birds of the air to begin to point our direction to God's providential care and his, his care for the, the created order and therefore if he uses this, this um, greater to lesser kind of scenario where well if this is true of birds how much more is it true of us his, 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 his humanity his people how much more is God going to care for you now, the, the danger of reading this is we can sometimes, uh, and this would be to the extreme, say, well, I don't need to do anything. God's simply going to provide for me. Well, God's promised in his word that he will provide for me, so therefore I can just let it, let it all happen. I was watching the birds in, my, in the garden this morning as I was just going over things for this, this sermon, and they're, they're fluttering around. They're, they're busy working. 
So God has provided for them. It's the worms of the ground or the, the berries on the, on the trees or the, the, the scavenging around. God's provided for them. They have to go and get it. They have to actually do something about God's provision to go and collect it in order that they might have the provision. So he's saying, don't, don't worry, look, I've provided for them. Why I also provide for you? Now, we, we, um, we don't just sit, none of us just sit around and wait for the manna to fall from heaven. Saying God will provide, because if we do, we'll go hungry. So there's, a, there's a something of God in his, in, in his call around our provision and his goodness and his care and our response to him is to, is to use the things that he has already given to us. So for, for many of us in our culture and in our, in our day, actually there's opportunities for work and employment in order that we may go and earn a crust to put some bread on the table. And I think we begin to also, these passages also begin to enable us to decide between the the needs and the wants. God will provide for our every need. And he invites invites us and provides for us in very natural ways, in natural means. But there are also moments, aren't there? And maybe these are some of the stories that you, you might have where God provides in ways that are beyond the ordinary Beyond the moments of being able to go out and get a job, what if you can't work? Now, in some cultures of our world, if they don't work, they don't eat. And so, therefore, provision, you know, they, literally, God, we provide. And he does. But he does it through people. He does it through the response of people, people like you and I responding, whether it's mass appeals for famine in other parts of the world that enable provision to get through, or whether it's our neighbor who's, who's, who's lost their job and we we. we step in and we help and we provide meals and care God uses natural means but it's also driving our our desire to pursue security in material things and our desire that only actually only he can can meet and so he's driving at a trust issue and he's saying, look, if you, if, I, if you think about the birds, think about you, are you not of more value to him? When you think about that in your own life, and you think about maybe some of the circumstances that you have experienced, or you currently are experiencing, that may naturally and understandably be causing some worry, Is the, the question, I guess the question to ask, is there something other going on inside that is generating that worry other than the natural response of care and concern for somebody else? Is there a, is there a misplaced trust or fear that, is, that, that is, is driving the anxiety? Is it, is it that I don't believe that God loves me enough to provide for me? Is it that I don't believe that actually I'm, you know, that God won't meet my needs? Is it I don't actually believe that he's good? And so the process of discipleship, the process of grappling with these big issues is, is, to, is to address the issues of the heart. Is to, is to allow God to do a deeper work in us so that the trust in him increases, even as we seek to do what he's, he's already given us to do. 
So it almost becomes this partnership between God and us. 100% God. He is sovereign. He sustains all things, provides all things, and yet he invites us to play our part. So even as we look to him, the author, sustainer, the giver, we come with our trust, come with our hope and our life and our faith in him. Is there, um, is there any time in, which, in life in which worry is a, 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 or an expression of concern is an appropriate response? Yeah, I think it is. When you think about the loved ones in your life and you're, you know, you may be in current circumstances, you have a lot of concern about how this would, how this is going to impact people, how this is going to impact their life, how, God, I'm concerned about that. You bring it to him. So I think the, the offering, the sense of, God, this is, this is real, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm concerned about. And yet I will trust you. Sometimes that's a daily choice. Now, I hope Rachel, Rachel's not in here so I, I can say this. But Rachel is a worrier. She naturally worries about anything and everything. And it's not because she doesn't believe God. But there are responses to circumstances or past experiences that make us think and behave in certain ways. But the question, I mean, for, I'm probably a little bit more relaxed about that. And maybe I go, I go to the extreme and not worry enough. So maybe we balance ourselves out. I don't know. Um, but we, but there's, 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 there's those moments of um, Trust in, in God. Um, so there are appropriate moments to worry. But I think as we recognize what's going on in us, asking the questions, Lord, what are you, what's, what, what's really going on in the motivation um, and, the, and the things of my heart? And Jesus um, goes on to talk about clothes and material goods and the question of again just drawing us to the the God's goodness and his kindness as we go through those verses um, in in verses 28 and 32 but is there any good that ever comes of worry can you think of any benefits of worry I think this is what this question Jesus asked. What can what can what good effectively can come of worry? What begins to happen internally when we worry? When we carry the worry, when we perpetuate the worry, when we hold on to the worry, what happens in us? Exhaustion. It's emotionally exhausting, isn't it? Like it drains us of energy, of, of life. And it's not, you know, and if stuff's going on, it's right that you're not going to, you're not always going to be bouncing off the walls like happy, clappy, Pentecostal charismatics, right? That's, that's, that's the, that's just doesn't, doesn't make sense. 
But the more we hold on to something, I think it's Peter, doesn't he? He says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. So in the moments where life is happening, actually I think these are the responses. When we recognize where he's going on, it's an opportunity for us to pray. It's an opportunity for us to get embedded into community, that sense of supporting one another, carrying one another, helping one another in our burdens. When there is stuff going on that is really impacting the the stuff of the stuff of our hearts that's where we why we need uh, one another but actually worry worry if we hold it will be more destructive than if we give it it will just whittle away at us and erode our sense of a uh, focus and trust in God and so in verse uh, verse 33 um, who can remember it off by heart <laughs> most of you no doubt if you've been in church any sense of uh, any length of time but this is where Jesus lands this and he says but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you therefore don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own love the fact that at the end of these verses Jesus says don't worry about tomorrow worry about today because actually today's got enough worry of its own. There's enough stuff going on in this moment for us to be concerned about. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Because we can only address what happens tomorrow when we get there. When, we, when we're confronted with the reality of what happens tomorrow, we can only, we can only be interested. So he's saying, actually, in our life and our faith and our walk with God, we, we actually only have now. We actually have this moment. None of us are guaranteed to go beyond now. If we've gone another second, we're doing well. Because when he talks about the body, he's the one that sustains us. He's the one that gives us breath. He's the one that created us. Did we have any say in coming into the world? The logical answer is no. That wasn't our will. It was the will of two other people through which you and I were then born. Not by the same people, by the way, because I'd be a bit weird. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying? So the, the, we, don't, we didn't have any choice whether lung is, uh, breath is in our lungs or not. And yet here we are being sustained by him. Every breath that we breathe in Every particle of oxygen is a gift. He's sustaining us in this moment. Our responsibility is to keep breathing. Keep drawing in the oxygen. Keep drawing in the life. Because he's good. And allowing us to to tackle and deal with today what is right before us, knowing that he is, he's not absent He's not far off, unconcerned about the matters of life. I think that verse where he says, don't worry, you know, um, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He recognizes that life will bring its challenges. 
So seek first the kingdom of God and all these things, all the material things, all the things that we require and necessary for life, they will be given to you as well, but seek his kingdom and his righteousness. What does that mean? Well, it's interesting that he separates out the kingdom of, kingdom of God and righteousness. So what is the kingdom of God? Sorry? The rule of God. Okay, yep, the rule of God. What, what is the kingdom? Any other thoughts on the kingdom of God? Because it, it is the rule of God. Where he, where he dwells. And where his ruler, uh, rulership, his kingship, his authority is, 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 is present and made known. So in the here and the now, we live in the tension of the kingdom that is now and not yet, the, the, the kingdom to come. And all the way through this passage, these, these verses, Jesus is saying there is a kingdom to come. Well, there'll be no more suffering, no more pain, no more sorrow. Store up for yourselves the stuff in heaven, the stuff that is to come, the stuff of eternal value. And store up for yourselves while we're here for that which is to come. By the way, he's not saying don't make plans. He's not saying don't, don't make provision for the future. Just don't bank on it. Just don't put your security in it. Don't just don't put your hope in it. Just don't put your life in it. It's, it's okay to have a pension. It's okay to save. It's okay to make plans. It's okay to do all of those things. But just don't seek those things first as of, as of the priority of your heart. He says, no, seek my rule. Because when we seek his rule and his reign in our hearts and our lives, actually we begin to prioritize things in a way that is reflective of his rule and his reign. We begin to think about our possessions and our worries and our troubles and the things that come to us in light of who he is. And he helps us to navigate through those challenges. And then what about righteousness, his righteousness? What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, I think that's the outworking of his kingdom rule and reign in our hearts. Because if, if it just stays there, then what good is that? It's good for you and your relationship with Jesus, but it doesn't help the kingdom of God advance. So the, the, his righteousness, seek his kingdom and his righteousness, it actually carries with it a sense of justice. That his justice might be made known on earth. That his rule might come into every part of society and place as God's people step into those places. We bring a different perspective and a different way of thinking, a different way of, of dealing with our troubles because troubles will come. So how is it that we display something of God's rule and reign in us in light of all that's going on, like people knowing what's going on in our lives, in our workplaces, in our communities, and, and you know, the challenges we face, and, and how do we demonstrate then that God's rule and reign is, is real? Not that we're not worried about things or concerned about things, just we're submitting that worry and that concern to him. And the more that we do that, I think the more his peace and his grace begins to rule and reign in our hearts. So Jesus said in John, John 14, verse 27, my peace I leave with you. I don't know about you, but I want to take that as a promise. A promise of truth to be applied. 
that his peace he left with us. It is possible to know peace in the midst of trouble. It is possible to know his goodness in the midst of all that's going on. I, and then in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says, Take every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So everything that sets itself up against, the, against God, against his goodness, and, and thoughts that would say, well, he's not really good, this is happening. He's saying, Paul's writing to the church saying, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. This is who we've come to know Jesus as. He is good. He is, he is pure. He is holy. He is powerful. Make every thought captive to who we've come to experience Jesus as. And we begin to to allow the worries and concerns of life to get in the right priorities and the right order in that the, the kingdom of God begins to advance in and through us. I think this is something about in the world in which we live where there's so much anxiety, worry, stress, strife, war, broken systems, broken political systems. What does it look like for us as God's people to be a people of righteousness and justice? to live out the life of the kingdom. Maybe there's some questions that you could ask in your mission or households or as you talk over tea and coffee. What, what does justice look like in your life? What does it look like for you to live out the justice of God? Priorities. I think this speaks into, this, this whole thing speaks into one of our, our values at OCC and it's the life of the gospel. What is the answer to our, the, the, is it the pa- pandemic of anxiety, an epidemic of whatever it might be? So many people suffering with anxiety and stress and worry and concern. What is the answer? There are lots of good programs out there that help people to manage that. Some great professional counseling that is really, really important to help people to process stuff. All of that is good. But without the good news of Jesus, it's just a coping strategy, coping mechanism. It's a way of managing life. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is that he is is Lord of all. He is king. And he has all authority and all power and all majesty. There is nobody like our Jesus. And he has, he has power to speak stillness to the most troubled waters. He has power to see you through to the other side of the troubled waters. This Jesus is the one who died and rose again and reigns supreme. Death is not the end for us because he lives and so that's the story that we have is that in the beginning God made what was good in the end it will be good in the in between we're proclaiming a gospel that Jesus does indeed transform lives he does indeed set people free So the question, question for you really, 
is what at this moment in time are you worried about the most? What is it that you're projecting forward that might never come? You might be projecting forward because you've, you've got some very good reasons to understand what's going on and you, 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 there's stuff that is real. In this moment, can we bring that to Jesus together? In, that, in this moment, can we offer that back to him? Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. As he cares for the sparrow, as he gives clothing for the wild flowers of the field, will he not care for you more? He loves you and he holds you and he protects you and he keeps you. What are you worried about? Bring it to him. This morning, I think this passage speaks to us of an invitation to trust him. Trust him more. To lay all of, not all of those, yeah, lay all those things aside. Trust him that he is good. So I'm going I'm to pray. Just give you a moment of silence to ponder, to ask some questions of, I'm going to ask some questions of my own life. What am I worried about? What am I concerned for? What are you concerned for? Jesus, we recognize that we're all, um, we're all prone to worry about things that we cannot control. It's true of us all. There are things, Lord, that are, are very real concerns for us. Whether it's our kids walking Lord, desiring and wanting them to keep walking with you, whether it's the financial security of the future, whether it's the, the present reality of, 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 of just stuff that's going on in our bodies and our lives. We, we, we carry worries and concerns because, well, just because we're human. So Lord, I pray that to, today in this moment, you would help us to offer those things back to you, those things that we've identified in our own hearts in this moment, this is a concern, Lord. May we know your grace and your goodness in the, in, in the face of what we are, um, what we're experiencing. May we make a choice today, Jesus, to trust you, to seek you, 
Not because you're unwilling to be found, but because you delight to be found. To seek you, that is to put our focus on you and our trust in you and our hope in you. Would you help us as a community to help one another do that? Stand shoulder to shoulder with one another as we seek to be a people who are distinct. Not because life doesn't happen to us, because it does, but because of how we respond to the way and the things of life because of who you are and because of what you've done. So Lord, I pray that your grace would abound to each and every one of us. That as we grapple with these very real, very real things of our hearts, that your grace would be sufficient and that we'd be drawn to love you, trust you and walk with you that little bit more today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.